there has been considerable discussion recently about whether or not unemployment insurance benefits have become too generous. This discussion transpires in the context of many employers who complain bitterly about growing challenges filling available positions. While the debate will not end anytime soon, it should also be noted that there are many unemployed Americans who received no financial support from unemployment insurance during the pandemic-induced downturn. According to a Bloomberg Business Week estimate, there are at least 9 million Americans who were thrown out of work by the pandemic who received no unemployment benefits despite the largest deployment of economic assistance in American history. The estimate is based on a review of more than a year's worth of U.S. Department of labor data. This represents a hole in America's safety net as large as the population of Virginia. The data indicate that half of the 64 million people who sought assistance through the regular unemployment insurance program from March 1st of last year through March 31st of this year were rejected or not paid. Many of these people then applied for pandemic unemployment assistance, a program Congress designed to provide a cushion for the self-employed. Many of these applications for assistance were also rejected. For WYPR and my producer, Luke Spicknall, I'm Aniban Basu. As indicated by the Wall Street Journal, the extraordinary recovery of America's economy is likely to render this nation the world's top destination for overseas investment this year and next. Recent projections from the United Nations reflect the expectation among many foreign businesses that there will be rapid and sustained rebound in consumer spending in the United States into next year, and that is attracting abundant foreign capital. According to the United Nations, overseas investments by businesses around the world declined by a third last year from the previous year. Investment in America by foreign economic actors declined 40% last year. But that was then. The Federal Reserve expects the American economy to expand 7% this year, supported by nearly $6 trillion in approved stimulus spending and approximately $2.6 trillion in extra savings generated by American households during the pandemic. With America and the wider global economy recovering at a faster pace than many had expected at the onset of the current year, the United Nations Conference on Trade and Development expects businesses around the world to increase their foreign investments by 10 to 15% this year and 20 to 30 percent next year. The influx of foreign capital will result in additional economic momentum in America. For WYPR and my producer Luke Spicknall, I'm Aniban Basu. In recent years, the nations of the world have had a difficult time getting along. There have been military wars, there have been trade wars, and there has been a fair amount of name-calling. But recently, an economic issue emerged that appears to be uniting much of the world. As indicated by writers Paul Hannon and Kate Davidson, America has won international backing for a global minimum corporate tax rate. Recently, officials from 130 nations, representing 90% of global output, met virtually and agreed to the broad outlines of what would be the most sweeping change in international taxation in a century. Among the nations at the proverbial table were all of the group of 20 major economies, including both India and China, which had previously expressed reservations regarding the proposed overhaul. These many governments will now seek to pass laws ensuring that companies headquartered in their countries pay a minimum tax rate of at least 15% in each of the nations in which they operate, reducing opportunities for tax avoidance. The Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development, which has been guiding the negotiations, estimates that governments collectively lose revenue of between $100 billion and $240 billion to tax avoidance each year. 
for WYPR and my producer Luke Spicknall, I'm Aniban Basu. Economists and others have been writing a lot about inflation recently. That's because price increases sustained across the economy have been running at multi-year highs. Many professionals, including investors and bank economists, are paid significant sums to predict inflation, which, among other things, helps determine consumer spending power and interest rates. So if you are wondering about the direction of inflation, you could presumably turn to the writings and utterances of these professionals and know where inflation is headed. But recent research makes one thing clear. Bond traders, academics, and corporate economists have no real ability to predict whether inflation will rise or fall during the months and years ahead. As indicated by writer Jeff Sommer, two staff members at the Peterson Institute for International Economics recently conducted some interesting inflation research. Their bottom line, nobody forecasts well, though some groups of forecasters are less terrible than others. Economists are slightly better than the typical supermarket shopper, the one who, for instance, notices that the price of milk has been on the rise lately. Bond investors are a bit better than economists at predicting short-term inflation, but economists are better at predicting the longer term. For WYPR and my producer Luke Spicknall, I'm Aniban Basu. Not much seems to unite Democrats and Republicans. They seem to view every issue differently and one another with distrust. But there has been at least one issue recently around which members of both parties have united, infrastructure. Though politicians may have different definitions of infrastructure, many are willing to invest billions of dollars on America's roads to bolster productivity and U.S. economic growth prospects. That sounds fabulous, but of course, economists exist to dampen the mood. As indicated by writer David Harrison, an extensive body of research focused on highway spending impacts suggests that major new investments in American roads would generate little, if any, long-term economic gain. Now, for those of you who spend hours in traffic in any given month, such a conclusion may make little sense. But economists say that new spending on roads doesn't really bolster productivity because America already has an extensive system of roads. While development of the U.S. interstate highway system between the 1950s and 1970s did render America's economy far more productive, new investment isn't nearly as impactful. The roads already exist. In India, by contrast, investment in roads results in both higher productivity and higher rates of growth. For WYPR and my producer Luke Spicknall, I'm Aniban Basu.